Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Today is episode 7, and we're going to be starting our WrestleMania week previews early. And I have a co-pilot again this uh, week. We have uh, Jeremy Lambert joining me again. Jeremy, what's up, brother? How are you doing, Larry? Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to talk everything going on WrestleMania. Wrestling weekend, according to Jay Lethal. Yeah, we, um, we're going to talk about a lot of good stuff today because we are going to preview the Impact Wrestling United We Stand pay-per-view, which will be airing on Fight TV. I believe it's uh, 1999. Uh, NXT TakeOver New York, which is WWE Network, obviously. And then the ROH New Japan G1 Supercard from Madison Square Garden, which will air on uh, the ROH uh, website, as well as New Japan World. So if you uh, don't have a full-on subscription to the VIP of the ROH site, but you have New Japan World, you will be good to go watching it there. Also, they're going to be airing it um, over two weeks on Access TV afterwards as well, so... There'll be a lot of opportunity to see that show. But, um, you know, besides WrestleMania and the 8,000 other shows, um, we got, like, a lot of good stuff on these three shows we're going to talk about today. So much good wrestling on on these three. Um, last time I was on, we, we, we briefly mentioned these shows, and they're just a lot of good stuff. I told you that Impact card is very underrated, and I'm actually excited to talk about that, and I'm never that excited to talk about Impact. Yeah, I do think it is. Uh, it's it's flying under the radar a little bit, and um, it really shouldn't, though, because honestly, the Impact pay-per-views last year were good to great, and so like even if the TV, I find, I don't think the TV's bad at all, and as some t- people still do, but... I find the shows solid, and at least they make sense. They go week to week. I mean, you know, the the show's solid. They tend not to anger me. But um, when they get a pay-per-view and stuff, they tend to deliver. So, yeah, Impact uh, United We Stand, it's a, I believe it's an 11 p.m. show on uh, Thursday next week. And um, so basically we're going to start off. Uh, first match is Tessa Blanchard. Versus Joey Ryan. Jeremy, your thoughts? I hope, I really, really hope that Joey Ryan realizes who he's wrestling and they keep the comedy to the to a minimum. Tessa Blanchard should not be taking dick flips. Um, she is She's really one of the stars of Impact Wrestling. They they push her very hard. She's been a focal point on that show for months. She doesn't need to involve herself in too much comedy in this match. And I, I hope they more showcase Tessa Blanchard. Like that's who you're building around. Joey Ryan is coming in because Eli Drake didn't want this match. And if you need somebody to wrestle a female, Joey Ryan's the first guy you call. So I hope they showcase Tessa and keep the Joey Ryan kind of comedy stuff to a minimum. Joey Ryan's got his own penis party during this weekend. Like, Go to that show if you want to see 100% uh, Joey Ryan. But for this match, I I really hope that Tessa Blanchard just kind of really gets to shine in a serious manner. Yeah, I I actually completely agree. Um, Yeah, Tessa has been one of the 
the focal points of impact programming. Um, they're, they're, they they've tried their hardest to, to build her into a star and she has star qualities. It's not like they're not, you know, it's not like they're working with nothing here. I mean, she's very talented. Um, rumors about attitude issues aside, when she gets in the ring, she doesn't fuck around. I mean, she's very good. She has a lot of good matches. And uh, yeah, this should be about, you know, Joey Ryan is the guest. And he, like you said, you need to book an intergender match. You need someone kind of last minute. Joey Ryan's a good choice. He's done a lot of it. And um, yeah, this should be about Tessa. And she uh, she should win with, uh, you know, I, I mean, there should be no real doubt here. Because as you said, you need to, Keep the focus on her as a star. So yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be yeah. shocked if if she lost. Really, um, and, and I like Joey Ryan. I I don't think he's killed the business or anything, as the old saying goes. But this is really a match where they again they just need to showcase Tessa. Don't don't overdo it with the Joey Ryan stuff. Yeah, and I and I agree. And we'll uh, we'll stick with uh, talking about the knockouts. Actually, we have a. Knockouts title match is uh, champion Taya will defend against Rosemary, Jordan Grace, and Katie Forbes. I would imagine Taya wins. I'd like to see Jordan Grace get the title. Uh, I know she has a singles match for the title, I believe, on next week's Impact. So it would actually air like 24 hours after this show. So it'd be kind of weird if Jordan Grace wins the title on Thursday and then you air this episode on Friday where Taya is the champion and she beats Jordan Grace. Because of that, it makes me feel like Taya is just going to win so they don't screw up their television too much. But it'd be cool if they did something special here and and put the title on Jordan Grace. Rosemary, I don't care too much about. And and Katie Forbes, I, I admittedly don't know a whole lot about. Yeah, um, I think I think Ty retains because um, I think that um, Jordan Grace will end up probably facing her again at the pay per view in April. The uh, the like the the real the non internet pay per view, right? The Rebellion show. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I I think that'll be the direction. It'll mostly be built around them during the match, and um, actually, I think that match the um. The first match you were talking about, I think that actually airs this Friday, because I think this is the against yes, all. Yes, you're you're correct. I was okay. watching Impact earlier today, and so I was thinking this week, but I forgot that's that was a show from last Friday. So when they're talking about next week, it's actually this Friday. So so you are correct. So it would it make more sense now if Jordan Grace does win the title. Uh, I still believe that Ty is probably going to end up winning. But again, I think it'd be cool if Jordan Grace ended up winning the belt. Yeah, I, I like Jordan Grace a lot. And I think um, I think later down the line, even though they've already done one TV match, I think that there's uh, good stuff with her and Tessa in the future. So Definitely. Good feud there. Uh, we're some tag team action next. We got LAX on the card. Facing off with MLW's Low Key and Ricky Martinez. Assuming Low Key shows up. Well, this is true. He did. Uh, <laughs> he did back out of the Minoru Suzuki match last year. I mean, I, I don't I'm not buying Low Key showing up. I, I think he's working both MLW shows that weekend as well. 
Uh, I don't know. I could totally see Loki flaking on this match. I figure LAX would win. They're the they're the impact guys. What? So why wouldn't they win? It, the the match will be fine. LAX is is good. I I think the bigger draw here is will Loki show up? Yeah, it's actually a fascinating thing when you think about it. Because I mean, he's been on good behavior with MLW. It'll just uh, yeah, as long as he stays, you know, the newer low key, he's been fine. But uh, yeah, that's always in the back of your mind because you know when you you talk about a guy that is um burnt a lot of bridges. Low-key is right up there. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully there's nothing bad going on and he shows up and we get a good match because uh, LAX, I love LAX. Low-key can still go. And Ricky Martinez is fine. He's he's not going to hurt anything. You know, I just I don't think he's, like, very good, but I don't think he's bad either. You know, he's fine. He's a guy, you know. so And uh, he'll probably, as long as everything goes to plan, um, Mr. Martinez should eat the pin here. So, uh, another big tag match. We have a uh, Impact versus Lucha Underground, which was the theme of last year's um, Impact when they did a show at Romania weekend on Twitch. But uh, this year it's more a regular Impact show with some special guests. Um, but uh, right now it's Drago, Daga, King Cuerno, and Aerostar from Lucha Underground. Facing off with Cage, Moose, Eddie Edwards, and a opponent to be er, a partner to be named, because Johnny Impact refuses to team with Cage and inserted himself into the Ultimate X match. So, I, I I like that they kept with some of the television here, and Johnny Impact shouldn't want to team with Brian Cage. Like he embarrassed this man and brian cage is out to kill him so why would johnny impact put himself in this match next to brian cage i i thought that was a good uh continuity arc there i i figure eli drake is the replacement because he pulled out of the the tessa match and he'll be around and he's teaming on television with eddie edwards so it seems to make some sense there and I guess this will be the last Lucha Underground match ever because it doesn't look like that show's coming back. Yeah, the future's looking rather rather bleak for the Lucha Underground. And um, yeah, I, I actually agree with the Eli Drake pick. I uh, I already did a uh, full written preview for this, and um, he's who I thought because just for the fact that he's a guy that's on TV pretty much every week, he's not on the card, he pulled out of the one match, and then it's like, what do you do? You know, so hopefully he, um, it would, like you said, it would make sense for him to pop in and we'll see what happens. But, uh, I always like seeing the Lucha Underground guys. Uh, I love King Cuerno. Aerostar is going to dive off something really high. Drago's fun. Dog actually just, uh, worked an explosion match, which was really good too. So, uh, he, he's been good. So yeah, um, this should be a really good match. I, I look forward to this one. Probably a uh, really fast paced and uh, you know, dudes doing eight thousand moves and somebody will bitch about him killing the business. <laughs> it should definitely be good. I, I don't think I mentioned that as far as match quality goes. Uh, all the Lucha Underground guys are good. Brian Cage is much better when he's working with Lucha Underground guys. I'm not a huge fan of Moose, but he's fine. He can catch people. 
and Eddie Edwards kind of with this new style is a bit weird, but it does seem like a good showcase match for the Lucha Underground guys to kind of bump around um, sort of bigger guys. And then, you know, the bigger guys win in the end. But it should definitely be a good match. A, a nice, like, eight-man sprint would be great for this. Yeah, so looking forward to that one. And then, speaking of dudes doing a thousand moves and people bitching about <laughs> going to business, we have an Ultimate X match on this show with uh, Jake Chris, Dante Fox, Pat Buck, Koto Brazil, Jack Evans, and, as we mentioned earlier, Johnny Impact. I the this match is made for Johnny Impact. I, I read that this is his first Ultimate X match, and that's pretty surprising because this just seems perfect for him. I nothing's on the line in this match, correct? No, I I, I mean, you know, you could make the you can make the argument to say if Jake Crist wins, you know, he could parlay that into like an X Division title shot. But yeah, it's just uh more of a bragging rights match it appears right and i mean you could put the impact world title on the line i guess it would completely give away that johnny impact is winning but whatever i mean no one i people were gonna figure that chris or impact is going to win regardless as you said they're gonna do some crazy stuff jack evans is still alive i feel like he should have died a decade ago i'm glad this man is still alive i don't know how many bookings he has for WrestleMania weekend. I imagine this is one of his bigger bookings, and I would imagine he's going to want to really showcase himself and just do what he can to make some type of, no pun intended, impact um, as far as the match goes. it It's really tough to screw up an Ultimate X match. Yeah, it, it, it unfortunately has been screwed up in the past, though. So. <laughs> that, so that, cool. That's true. Um but I feel like with the the kind of new direction Impact is in, and with these guys and the match, and with it being just a a showcase match and not an actual like, hey, there's some real stakes involved, and we gotta tell stories. I I don't know how they can screw this up, honestly. Yeah, but um, yeah, the match, uh, yeah, it's a good lineup because Jake Crist will take a lot of kind of insane and stupid bumps. Dante slash Ar Fox is. Dude is so consistent over the years. It's like I was I was talking about his uh last evolve weekend. It's just like it's like every time you think he might slow down, dude just keeps going. Pat Buck is a fine performer. He works really hard. Koto Brazil has been a lot of fun in MLW. He had a short run in Evolve before he signed with MLW. Jack Evans still does tons of crazy shit. And then you got Johnny Impact with the whole parkour thing and, you know, in the Ultimate X uh, atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, really, it, it's, it looks on paper like a recipe for success. And hopefully it's, uh, you know, hopefully, like, the, the, the Red X or whatever they're going to hang doesn't fucking fall off. <laughs> shit like that, because that has happened in the past. But, yeah, hopefully nothing goes wrong when these guys just go out there. You know, 12, 14 minutes fucking high octane fast paced let them do their shit let the crowd go nuts and then you know should be good moving on to some violence we have a a monsters ball match and uh sammy callahan versus jimmy havoc these two actually met back when uh impact did a uh uk show last year 
And um, it was like a barbed wire bat death match or some shit. It was actually pretty great. Because um, these two dudes were willing to beat the shit out of each other. And Jimmy Havoc just takes some really stupid shit when he does hardcore stuff to get over. Like fucking Tom Waller like sliced him over with a pizza cutter once. It's like, fuck, dude, calm down. Yeah. But, um, he, here's my concern for this match. Like, on paper, it does look great. You got two, like, deathmatch, hardcore match guys. Yeah, Callahan had great matches with uh, Pentagon last year. And and Havoc is, you know, world-renowned for just his hardcore style. And, and I remember the the UK bat match that they had, which was which was really good. Less than, like, four hours before this event, Jimmy Havoc is facing... Tom Lawler in a street fight, uh, MLW. Callahan is facing Mance Warner for MLW. I don't know what kind of shape these two are going to be in in this match. Like On paper, it does seem like they're just going to beat the shit out of each other. It wouldn't surprise me at all if these guys are just like, you know what, I just had a war with Tom Waller. Me and Mance Warner just did a bunch of crazy shit. I'm going to take it a little easy. Because both these guys have, I feel like, a lot of bookings this weekend. And when it comes to that stuff, like you really got to see, all right, these matches look great, but if you've got five matches over the weekend, you can't give it your all in five matches. Some of them are going to stink. And this match could be one of those that, ends up being a letdown if these guys are just not feeling it after their MLW matches. Yeah, and that's a very fair point because over the past couple years, that is one thing a lot of guys like me and the other reviewers have uh, noticed is you'll see a guy that has, you know, there's a guy that has two or three bookings and he's having killer matches all weekend. And then you have like a crazy motherfucker that has like seven or eight. And by like Saturday night, he's, dudes out there doing like the bare minimum just because he's beaten up and he's tired. And and, uh, hopefully that's not the case here, but that's a, that's actually a fair point to think about. I didn't even really consider that. I wasn't thinking when the MLW for the first show was, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can, uh, capture some of the magic from the UK match. Cause I thought that was pretty great and they work well together. And they're, like I said, they're willing to do pretty much anything. And, it'll play to the stipulation well. Yeah, again, on paper, it looks great. And these two, they know how to work this kind of match. We'll just see how they're really, if they're really feeling up for it after both their MLW bookings. So just a word of warning to everybody that if you're getting really excited for this match, let me damper your expectations a little bit. And then if it over delivers, fantastic. Yeah. Then next up, we semi-main event looks to be for the X Division title, champion Rich Swan versus Dragon Gate Yamato. Um, it's really cool this uh, WrestleMania weekend. There are uh, a select group of uh, Dragon Gate guys working some shows, and um, it's really good that Impact was able to snag someone, especially to work Swan because Swan has worked Dragon Gate in the past, knows the style, and if you're to pair someone from Impact with a Dragon Gate guy, you have to go with like Swan, Desmond Xavier, or um, 
Zachary Wentz because they all spent some time in Dragon Gate as well. So uh, this is a good move. It's a you know higher profile match, one of your champions, you know, big Dragon Gate star. So uh, it's a smart booking decision, and I like it. Yeah, I, I admittedly don't know much about Yamoto. Uh, Rich Swan is great. I suspect that he will have a great match. And considering that they're pairing him with, uh, is it Yamoto or Yamo? How Yamato. Do I say Yamato, okay. Going to get some people yelling at me for not knowing how to say his name. Yamato. Uh, I, I would imagine that he's he's very good, that you're not going to give Rich Swan just any run-of-the-mill kind of guy you're gonna get you're gonna give him somebody that can go especially in a special attraction match like this so i i figure this match is just gonna be excellent yeah definitely has a chance to be really good um it's like i said it's a smart addition to the card you know it's i i do like that i do like how they're you know it's you can tell it's an impact show but yeah it's an impact show with special guests which is good because it's mania weekend you want to make sure you sell tickets and it's, uh, you know, they're always looking to hype things on, like, the Global Wrestling Network. And now you can hype a Yamato God. match and stuff like that. I, I just hate, I really just hate that they take up part of Impact with, like, these old matches. Like, this past week's episode was Mr. Anderson against Jeff Hardy in, in some ladder match. And it's like, let's let's show this for 10 minutes instead of actually you know building to what we're doing with this company and jeff hardy wins and the crowd goes mild and it's just i hate that on these impact shows their their archive is great i don't have the global wrestling network the like their their library is fantastic i I don't need 10 to 15 minute advertisements for it every week when i'm trying to just watch an episodic uh wrestling show well, the worst thing for me is when, like, you know, obviously they're trying to showcase things that'll get people to subscribe, spend their eight bucks. But, like, sometimes, like, you know, you're, pu- you're putting on a solid show or an okay show, and then all of a sudden you're going to fucking, like, whip out 12 minutes of Styles versus Daniels or, like, Daniels versus Joe or Kurt Angle versus AJ, and it's like, and it just like smokes everything you just watched for like ninety minutes. It's like don't do that. It's yeah. like you're 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 killing these poor dudes who are, you know, they're trying really hard. And it's like, yeah, you you can't do that, especially when you pull out some of that really good shit they have. But the uh, the main event is uh the Lucha Brothers Pentagon and Phoenix facing off with of all people Rob Van Dam and Sabu. I'm very excited for this match as a longtime Rob Van Dam mark. I, I don't know what he's going to bring to the table here. Like he's still a, you know, he still stays pretty active. He still stays in shape and everything. And considering he doesn't take a whole lot of bookings, it feels like he should have plenty in the tank for this match. Uh, Sabu is what he is and he's never been good but he's always willing to just do dumb shit and I love the Lucha Brothers so I, I don't think it'll be a great match I think it'll be a good like, kind of spot fest uh, with some memorable moments and a lot of smoke and mirrors but that's fine I'm not expecting anything more I, I'm excited to see Rob Van Dam wrestle again just because 
I've loved that guy since his early ECW days. Yeah, I um, in my preview, I kind of joked. It's like, uh, you know, you got Sabu, who I don't know how he's still wrestling in 2019. Yeah, I, I expect him to hit Air Sabu and turn to dust. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, they're they're gonna pull out the uh, the ECW tricks, the smoke and mirrors and stuff, and the Lucha Brothers are really great. So um. And they're they're willing to do hardcore shit. They're willing to bleed and shit like that. So yeah, it's um, yeah, I I think it has potential to be at least like a, a good and fun spectacle. Like you said, I don't expect it to be great, but I think it I think it can be good. Um, Pen- Pentagon does have a match with L.A. Park on that MLW show as well. Yeah, well, unfortunately, he's going to be doing like ninety percent of the work in that match. <laughs> Uh, yeah, based on MLW LA Park, that match with Mance Warner sucked so bad. <laughs> so bad. Well, the worst part was is it was basically a squash. Because, like, Mance didn't get, like, shit in. Yeah. And, and that was, like, the worst part of it. It, it, was, it was just a complete train wreck. Um, yeah, I I don't know how hard. I mean, Pentagon will probably have to work hard in that match if he wants to work hard. I, I honestly think he'll work harder in this match. In this match, like I I suspect he'll end up kind of coasting in that LA Park match because I mean this just feels like like he's wrestled LA Park plenty of times. He'll probably wrestle him again this year at some point. Whereas, like, how often are you going to wrestle RBD and Sabu? And you know he likes teaming with, with Phoenix and tries to work harder there. So I, I think this will be the match where he actually shows out compared to the MLW performance. Yeah, and... um, I mean, you know what, though? I mean, I dog on LA Park a bit, but you got to give the fat skeleton credit. He's a money-drawing fucking machine still. That's, that's son of a bitch was just selling hot shit left and right in mexico and it's like you know 2018 into this year and it's like i don't know how but he is i mean he's still doing it so credit to him yeah i mean he's making a payday he's an attraction mlw brings him in for these shows he gives a not great performance nearly every single time but they're ponying up some money for him so hey it you know, take advantage of this good money while you can. Oh, yeah. So next up, we are going to shift to NXT TakeOver New York, which is a pretty fucking sexy card on paper. Looking forward to it. I uh, Again, I already did my written preview for this. I got really excited. I talked about it a couple weeks ago um, when uh, all the matches were confirmed via spoilers and just uh, there's a lot of potential for greatness, a lot of good stuff on here. Uh, it, every it, match is a title really, match. It's really hard for a takeover to be bad. Well, there's never been a bad takeover. Yeah, that like that's what I'm saying. Like it's just really hard for a takeover to be bad. I'm with you that this show looks amazing on paper, but even like the bad looking takeovers or the average looking takeovers are still like show of the year candidates. Yeah, it is amazing how, you know, there's so many times where I'll see a takeover thread and people are like, oh, it feels like there's no buzz for this takeover, you know, and then like a week later, like, Jesus Christ, takeover did it again. 
And it's like, you know what? It's like, here, here's the thing. And it's a, you'll remember this back when we were writing MMA all the time. It's like, there are certain things that you just, you don't doubt until they give you a reason to doubt. Like Anderson Silva. There was no reason to doubt Anderson Silva because he was beating everybody. Yeah. You know, and like, and then, you know, Chris Wadman comes along and it's like, and everybody's like, oh, well, you, you didn't give Wadman a chance. You said, you know, you were praising Silva. I'm like, I'm like, well, look at their fucking resumes. Everybody and their mother was picking Silva. You know, it's, it's just like. It's like you don't doubt John Jones nowadays, especially yeah. with the fucking guys he's facing right now. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, they have a puncher shot. I've never really seen John Jones in any kind of trouble outside of the first Gustafson fight. And that, I mean, that's really about it. And that arm bar by Vitor Belfort. Yeah. Uh, but and you don't you doubt get, this guy. If you want to get technical, he was in trouble in one other fight, but it wasn't because of his opponent. Because theoretically, he could have lost the title to Chael Sonnen on a medical stoppage when he almost ripped his toe off. Yeah, I, he could have ripped his toe off, and if he said, I'm good to fight, let me finish this fight, and they let him, he would have beaten Chael Sonnen. Oh, yeah, he still would have still beat him, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It wasn't like anything Chael did, but it was just, you know, in it, technically, he that was... That was a troubling situation, but he, he fought through it. And yeah, it's like, you know what? As a person, John Jones may be a piece of shit, but yeah, it's like, and, and especially what you said against the guys he's facing now. It, yeah, there's, yeah, there's just. And don't no, doubt takeovers. That's right. So we're going to start off with the women, the NXT Women's Championship Fatal Four Way match Kyrie Zane, Io Shirai. Bianca Belair and champion Shayna Baszler. I mean, should should be great. Um, is is Bianca Belair officially takeover ready after her last performance? Uh, they they seem to think so. They put her back on. Uh, come on, you don't. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Did did you not see the controversy with? Sam Roberts burying Bianca Belair prior to the last takeover. No, I, I ignore everything Sam Roberts and Peter Rosenberg said. That's that's a very good uh, way to live your life. Yeah, he was just like Bianca Belair is not takeover worthy. This is not a takeover worthy match, and you know he got ripped for it for obvious reasons. And then the match was great. Um, and, like it's gonna be a great match. All four of these ladies are great. I I would keep the title on Shayna, honestly. Like this feels like a way where you can get the title off of her without having her lose. And then if Ronda's leaving after WrestleMania, Baszler comes up and kind of fills that role. Uh, if they're gonna take the title off of her, I feel like Io is my pick, but. They, all, you can't go wrong with any of these four, and they would all make sense whether B, uh, Baszler keeps it or Io wins or Kyrie wins or Bianca wins. They, they, it makes sense either way. You make it work either way. Yeah, I um, I think that because Ronda is supposed to be leaving, I think there's a good chance Shayna does get to call up, and um, so I, I do think we're gonna see a new champion. Um, I personally would go for EO as champion because uh, she's a fresh champion. You know, Kyrie's had the belt already. 
Um, but honestly, I think that they, if they pull a title change, I think that they're going to go with Bianca Belair. It just, it, I think that they're going to, you know, they're, they're behind her a lot. They see a lot in her. And she, I mean, she's very good for her experience level. Yeah. I can't, like, I can't even say there's fault in going with Bianca Belair because she is very good and she does have that star power, star quality to her. Um, I I almost just want Bianca to kind of win it in a, a one-on-one situation. She's kind of like a weird neutral, not really a face, not really a heel. Uh, but I feel like if she if she wins it in a one-on-one setting, it, it's it's a bigger moment if they want to play her up as a face. If they want to play her up as a heel, then yeah, the the four-way putting the title on her makes more sense. Yeah. So next up, we have the NXT Tag Team Championship match. The uh, Dusty Rhodes Classic Tag Team winners, Aleister Black and Ricochet, versus the War Raiders. You forget that the War Raiders are the NXT Tag Team Champions. It doesn't feel like they've been on television at all since winning the titles. And then you have Black and Ricochet, who were really just thrown together because they were called up. There was... No rhyme or reason for them to actually be together, but they got called up to the main roster, and it's like, all right, well, we're doing the tag team thing right now, and then they're entered in the Dusty Classic. They win that. It's going to be a banger of a match. Like All these guys can go. I would assume the Wall Raiders win because Black and Ricochet, I mean, they might be working two nights later at at WrestleMania, and it seems like they're going to, be on the main roster permanently following following WrestleMania. So the War Raiders will likely win. The match is going to be great. I, I can't say, like, as far as build to this match, I'm super invested into it. Yeah, the, the build has suffered because, like you said, the War Raiders haven't really been around much. But, um, you know, it's basically by accident, but Black and Rick Shave turned into a really good tag team. Oh, they're, I mean, I mean they're fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, uh, I think that, like they're all over my match of the month column because like they were part of that uh, the the pay per view match on the main roster, and then like their Dusty Classic matches were like just like some great stuff. And yeah, um, no reason that this shouldn't fucking roll. And um, the NXT tag division is it's like sneaky good because you'll sit there like yeah, undisputed era versus whoever, and then you're like, god damn, that was a great match. You know, Mustache Mountain, Danny Burch, and Andy Lorcan. It doesn't really matter. It's just you put the tag teams out there, and they end up oftentimes, if they don't steal the show, they're really damn close. You can still build around tag team wrestling. Yeah, contrary to popular belief. But uh, yeah, contrary to main roster. I mean, come on. Now they built a, they built the whole SmackDown this past week uh, around tag team wrestling, technically. They did, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward. It's a, as you said, it's a definite banger potential. Should be great. Looking forward to it. And um, yeah, because Black and Rick Shea should be going to the main roster. War Raiders retain. Um, next up, another title match. As I said, every match on the show a title match. The NXT North American Championship match. Champion the Velveteen Dream versus Matthew Riddle. I'm most excited for whatever Velveteen Dream is going to be wearing. (laughs) This guy with his trunks for the takeovers is always so clever. 
with with whatever he he decides to to wear i imagine it's going to be something great again i never want to see this man on the main roster because they clearly don't have a plan for any of these call-ups at any point um matt riddle I, i feel like this is going to be his his coming out party like he's had some good matches in an NXT the the takeover match with with Cassius Ono um the one that didn't go 13 seconds was was a really good match and he's had some good television matches as well but I don't think people if you've only seen Matt Riddle in NXT I don't think people realize just how good this guy is and this is a match where you're going to realize like this guy is fucking awesome He's going to be the stallion in this match. Like you're going to get the bro stallion, and it's going to rule. Velveteen Dream is great, even though he's still not the most polished wrestler in the world. Like just his his character work is some of the best in wrestling, and so that carries uh, that makes up for what he kind of lacks as far as technical aspects of his work. I, I'm really looking forward to this match. I. I think Velatine keeps the title. I think they can just do more with him with the title, but it also feels like how are you beating Matt Riddle right now? So I don't know. The the winner I, I'm not too concerned about. I, I'm just really looking forward to this match. Honestly, one of my like of all the matches for WrestleMania weekend, this is definitely in my top five. Yeah, it's um the best thing they did with Velveteen Dream was there were rumors they were to call him up last year. And the the best thing they did was not bring him up last year. Because while he's a great character, has great charisma, has that it factor, he looks like a star, talks like a star, he wasn't ready because he just needed more seasoning. And a lot of people need to remember that he didn't have a ton of indie experience before he signed. He had very limited experience. So then you have this whole last like year plus where he's been just doing nothing but getting better, having great matches. And I mean, yeah, it's just been great. And then Matt Riddle, this is a guy who like four years in has already put together a tremendous portfolio of matches. Um, Evolve, PWG, work, work progress and everything. And the only thing I hated about Riddle signing with the company was that I never got to see that Japan run. I was I was hoping for a G1 run at some point. Same thing with Keith Lee, because I love both of those guys. But um, yeah. But WWE really, came calling with that money before New Japan got their hands on them. Well, you know, I mean, it, it happens. That's and that's the thing. People are gonna bitch about this and that, but like, you know, Keith Lee, one of his goals, he wanted to be a WWE wrestler. Nothing wrong with that. You know, Matt Riddle wanted to be there. And the thing about Riddle people don't understand is, like, when he left MMA, started training at the Monster Factory, ROH wanted to sign him. And then he had gone to a WWE tryout, so he called WWE. And then Triple H brokers the deal to get him into a wall because he wants Gabe to bring him along, and they were still concerned about the marijuana thing. So Sapolsky smartly brings him along. He put him in there against grapplers and mat wrestlers and stuff when they were heavily working that style, started them um, short matches, four to seven minute matches. Slowly they got a little longer, a little longer, a little longer. And then all of a sudden he has a match with Tracy Williams and he has his, like, his first 15 minute match. 
and it's fucking just great. And you could just see each match, things clicking with this dude. And he just got it. And he got it fast. And he's he is a star written all over him. I mean, Christ, he looks like a Von Eric. <laughs> you know, I mean, he could be like the long lost Von Eric. But um, I mean, I love Matt Riddle, love Velveteen Dream. Yeah, this should be great. Um, between like just Riddle's style and just all the characterization work Dream does, a lot of potential. Looking forward to it, and um, would not be surprised again if this is just another great match. Yeah, again, I this is top five on the weekend for me. Uh, I'm. I love both of these guys, and I imagine they're going to get plenty of time, and I imagine they're going to deliver in a big way. Yeah, and speaking of anticipated matches for the weekend, this is definitely one of mine right here. The NXT UK Championship champion Pete Dunne versus the big fucking daddy, Walter. This is is another match that's just going to be an absolute banger. Like... Walter against Pete Dunne. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be fantastic. This is just such a great styles matchup uh, for these two. Just another match that it's it's going to be great. Uh, and this is again another thing where if you haven't seen a lot of Walter, uh, you've like you've only seen him in NXT UK, which has basically just been squashes and that recent tag team match. This is a, a like this is going to be a breakout match for him because he's working Pete Dunne. Who, I mean, for my money, Pete Dunne has some of the best matches in WWE NXT history. Like every time this guy is put on a big stage, he delivers just a, an absolute classic. And now he gets to work with Walter. It, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, if you go on, like, because obviously Pete Dunn doesn't have a giant portfolio of WWE contracted matches, but if you take his WWE contracted matches and you go match for match with any top star, match quality alone, he'll fucking smoke anyone. Yeah, like, it, the ratio of just matches to great matches is really high for him. and And it is because he doesn't work, like all of these house shows and he's not wrestling five minute matches on TV every week, but it just speaks to the quality of him as a wrestler that you put this guy out there, you give him 12 minutes minimum and you're, you're getting a really fantastic match. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to this. Um, Dunn has had the title for over 600 days. And I do think that this is where they pull the title change. Um, because, I mean, Pete Dunne, between the first short run with Tyler Bate, their feud, and then his run, he's done a ton to establish that title. And the thing is, now, if you if you make the change to Volter, you're solidifying a new star, and then you're opening things up to a ton of fresh matches to WWE fan highs. Because, like, I, oh, dude, I just watched his... uh rematch with uh, Jordan Devlin at Scrapper Mania 5, I think it was, from OTT. Jesus Christ, it was fucking fantastic. The the build to that was great. I've not watched Scrapper Mania. I watched the, the show prior where um, Walter took on Pac, and I mean, that was obviously a great match. 
Uh, but I do need to watch Scarper Mania. Yeah, it, this feels like the time to make the title switch. I know they have like the international superstar shakeup at the end of April. Feels like the time to just move Pete Dunne onto something else. I, I honestly hate that for the guy because he's not going to do anything on Raw or SmackDown, unfortunately, as great as he is. Uh, but he's pretty much done all he can do in NXT UK. He's done a good amount in NXT as well. So it it feels like you can move him on to something else after this and you could just build the division or the brand around Walter now. But if, if Pete Dunne stays in NXT UK, like even better. Yeah, but like I said, the, the good thing is if they pull the title change, you, you get fresh matches for WWE fans because Walter versus Tyler Bate, Jordan Devlin, stuff like that. You can do the Pete Dunn rematch and that, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff with him. So I'm a uh, God, I'm so looking forward to this. It's, it just, it looks so good. And um, again, both these are guys that deliver at extremely high levels and big matches on a consistent basis. So there's no, no reason to think it's not going to be great. Yeah. And then we come to our main event, which is for the vacant, unfortunately for the vacant NXT championship, a two out of three falls match. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole, baby. Just another match that should be fantastic. I mean, Johnny Gargano is Mr. Takeover. He's, I don't know if he's ever had a bad takeover match. Most of his takeover matches are match of the year candidates. Adam Cole, I know a lot of people were, they didn't know what to make of him coming to NXT. It it seems like by the end of his indie run, people were kind of down on him. I think he's been great in NXT. Like he's delivered nearly every time in the ring. His being the leader of undisputed era, like his, his character is always on point. I, it's going to be a great match. The, this is one where the other matches, I'm like, all right, I, I don't care who wins the title. You can kind of go either way with it. It's going to be a good choice no matter what they do. This one is, I'm more intrigued by who's going to win because you've got Adam Cole. He gets the gold. You know, he's the, the shit grinning heel. Now he's got the world title. He's got his boys backing him up. Like this guy and this group is just going to completely run the brand now. Or you give it to Gargano, get that feel-good moment. I think a lot depends on how long Ciampa's out for. Because you know if Ciampa's out for, let's say, three months, he can come back for for SummerSlam TakeOver. He comes back, you know the promo he's cutting. You got the belt, you didn't beat me for the belt. You can't beat me for that belt. You took that belt from me because you attacked me you know, when my back was turned and you injured me and you put me on the shelf because you know you can't beat me in a one-on-one situation. And then you wrap up that feud there with Gargano, which I would assume was the plan for this takeover. Gargano beats him, puts a bow kind of on that feud. And then you just, you delay it because of Ciampa's injury. But if Ciampa's out longer, do they say... Let's put the belt on Adam Cole. Let's delay the Gargano story. And maybe Gargano just becomes like Tommy Dreamer where he he's over no matter what. And he doesn't need to win the belt. Yeah. And that, that's, um, that is, that's the most interesting thing about the card because 
that's the thing. There, there, there are rumors that you know, there are some people that are like, oh, Ciampa's not going to be out that long. It's going to be two or three months. And then there's speculation that he's going to miss the whole year. Because yeah, it, it it's is a, a neck, neck injury. Yeah. yeah, right. It's like the people don't seem to understand that, like, you know, they're again, this is a generational thing to a point because you have a group of fans that didn't grow up and weren't watching when we had this rash of neck injuries. Steve Austin, Test, Rhino, you know, uh, Lita, I was out of the ring, but still she had severe neck injury. And, you know, so you had, and then Kurt Angle, obviously. Kurt Angle refused to get to Fusion because he thought it would uh, hurt his mobility and kept going in for the quick fix surgeries. And then, you know, but like, you know, Steve Austin th- did come back and he had a he had a good run afterwards, but it obviously shortened his career. You know, testing Rhino. You know, that, that's another thing. The fact that Rhino was still wrestling regularly in 2018 at his age and the fact that he had neck fusion surgery... Like Jesus Christ, man! I mean, it's not like he was taking head drops all the time, but that's you know credit to that dude. You know? Yeah, you know, yeah. So, but, neck, but you have, yeah. neck injuries are, are they're so tricky, and, and they're not something to to mess around with at all. So if he doesn't feel like he's one hundred percent coming back, he he shouldn't coming back. I like there's no effect timetable on it and i don't think anyone should expect a timetable on it because as you said you never know how it's it's going to work out austin it seemed like you know he got dropped on his head by own heart and then he kept wrestling and then he had the surgery and then he was out for a year rhino still wrestles to this day um kurt angle he kept going he kept delaying the surgery and you know he was he was fine uh, throughout his TNA run, and now you look at him today, and I know he's fifty, and so age catches up to you as well. But like the man can barely move anymore, so yeah. they're they're not something to mess around with. And I think the other thing too is not only is there a generation of fans that didn't live through all the neck injury stuff, and um, the other thing is too is we're in an age now to where you know when you blew an ACL, you were out twelve to fourteen months. And now you yeah, got yeah. motherfuckers coming back in six to eight months. Like like freaks like Adrian Peterson and shit. And, and yeah, so I think people are... see that. Yeah, they, they see these advances in medical. And then they see the fact that, you know, athletes are getting bigger, stronger, faster. And they think that it applies to everybody. But again, when you're talking about a neck or a back, it is like that's like the trickiest shit ever. So, right, right. and, and Ciampa is the guy with, I know it's not a neck injury, but I mean, he is coming off and that ACL injury. Like, he's a guy with injury history, and you, it's not something to mess around with. So, who knows when Ciampa will be back? I don't even know if, if they like have a firm date, and I don't know if they're even thinking like, we need to book this title around whenever Ciampa is going to be back. I'm just throwing out theories and booking plans uh as well far i think as who you have you have match. to at this point though because you have to take into consideration is like are they gonna have adam cole win and undisputed era kind of run the brand and then gargano maybe go to the main roster like was planned or are like you mentioned as well are they going to go with the feel-good moment because this was supposed to be gargano's big win and he's been like mr nxt mr takeover 
does he win the title and does he stick around to help anchor the brand since you just lost Chiampa and you're losing Black and Ricochet and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables going into the match. I mean, you kind of have to look at it from all sides. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think? Who, gun to your head, who are they putting the title on? Uh, in my written preview, I picked Gargano, but I will not be shocked at all if Adam Cole wins. Um, I, yeah. I think it's... I think it's a good choice either way. It just depends on what are they looking for and what moves are they going to make? Do they want that feel good moment or is it going to be, you know, we're moving on from this certain incarnation of NXT that had these guys and, you know, like Andrade left last year and black and Ricochet are going, Chiampa's out. Is it maybe we're just going to move Gargano up because we have, Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle and um, Keith Lee and uh, Donovan uh, Dijakovic. I always get tongue-tied on that one because I want to say Dijak. But you have all these guys like waiting in the wings. Plus you have like all the undisputed era guys when they're not in tag action. So I mean, there's a. It's not. They're not running short on talent, man. No. Um. And speaking of potential talent it's takeover wrestlemania weekend before we kind of wrap up the preview is anyone sitting in the crowd <clears throat> um possibly because um i know like uh you know he's not a not a big name to some people but i know like shane strickland is supposed to report to the performance center soon um ACH has already um, been working live events. So th- there are guys that, I mean, they could bring someone in and, you know, or they, you know, may- maybe they maybe they show like a Stokely Hathaway, you know. I was going to mention Stokely. I think Big it would fucking just be Stoke. great. <laughs> I think it would be great if he's just in the crowd and, you know, making whatever facial expression he's going to make. Big Stoke on a phone, handing out business cards, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, but, um, dude, and yeah, I talked about uh, him when I did a show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, that's a dude I am so happy for because he was so great for Evolve in front of the camera, behind the camera, did a ton of great stuff, worked his ass off. And the fact that, you know, he wanted this and he got it in an era where the manager is not really valued. Um, it just warmed my heart. Really good dude. Really, really good guy. Yeah, um, I, I, I think cannot, it's I, cannot, I, 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 I hope. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was say, I can't tell you the number of times that like, like, um, like I wrote an Evolve review and like I said something either good or negative about him. And he'd hit me up on a DM and be like, you know, t- like, tell me why you didn't think this worked. And I'd explain it and be like, okay, fair enough. You know, and it was like, I enjoyed that because it was like, okay, if I'm missing something, he can tell me what I missed. But then sometimes it was just like, no, that was shit. You know, and then like when I was in the hospital, he messaged me a couple times. Just a, a good fucking dude that worked his ass off. So I was, Larry, I was extremely Larry. Sick. Larry name dropping Stoke hitting him up in the DMs. He's a good carrying carrying the lead here. Yeah. I I do I I do like Stokely. I 
he's great. I'm very happy that he's in NXT. I'm very happy that it seems like they're using managers more because Robbie E looks to be a manager as well. So it's good. Like managers and tag team wrestling, these are like staples of professional wrestling throughout history. And on the main roster, you don't get a whole lot of it. I mean, managers are, they're, they're kind of non-existent. They've been non-existent for a while. And if they're, if they're there, they're just kind of mouthpieces and distraction fodder. There's no actual like rhyme or reason to a lot of their gimmicks over the years. And now you're, you're seeing them used more. So I'm very happy for Stokely. Put Stokely just in the crowd. Put him on commentary. Let this man run takeover. When I talked about it, I said, that's a dude you could just, you could throw on the main roster right now, and he'd be like the best promo on either show almost. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, there are a couple exceptions, like Joe and Daniel Bryan have been really good this year. Brian has been really good. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, outside of that, though, there's not a lot of, not a lot of great promo people in the company, you know. So, but yeah, he's a. I'm extremely happy for him. But yeah, it, that's a good question. It'll be interesting to see if we get any uh, special crowd appearances. And um, with that, we will wrap up the takeover talk because we have one more gigantic show to talk about. And that is the Ring of Honor New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Supercard from Madison Square Garden. The first wrestling show in decades to take place in the garden that is not promoted by WWE. I, it's very historic. I hope that Ring of Honor and New Japan really realize... I think they do realize just how historic this is and they're going to make the most of it. Because you'll remember this. When UFC went to the Garden um, however many years ago, and and that was like Connor was headbutting that show as well. And it was like, this this should be a big deal. And aside from just saying like, we're in Madison Square Garden, it looked like every UFC show you'd ever seen. And I, I hope that Ring of Honor and New Japan really make you feel like we're in the guard. Yeah, and I, I agree with that because like um that that annoyed the shit out of me with that show and um when when Impact went to India and taped a bunch of TV, what pissed me off is they set up the Sony Six Studio to look like the fucking Impact Zone. So the only reason you knew they were in India was because they said it eight hundred times. And because there was like, for lack of a better term, like no white people in the crowd. <laughs> I mean, it was just all Indian people. And that's, you know, I mean, you should have embraced the fact that, you know, because they were like, we're the first people to come and fucking do like, you know, TV, episodic TV from India. And it's like, that's a big deal. But then it looked like you were still in Florida. Yeah, a lot of a lot of shows or a lot of companies do that and they don't make again the the UFC has a, just a terrible habit of this where every single UFC show looks the same. You you wouldn't know where they are because it just all looks the same. I think Bellator actually does a good job of hey, hey we're at this place and we're, 
we're going to make this look different. WWE obviously does a very good job when they're at these different stadiums and arenas. Like, hey, we're here. This is going to have a different vibe than every other show. I, I would hope that, I mean, they're making a big deal out of this being the garden already. They're not just, a lot of it is built around we're in the garden. I mean, Mega Ran wrote a whole rap song about we're in the garden. So it does, I do think they'll do a good job of making this show feel like more than just, hey, it's an ROH New Japan show. Yeah, and I, I hope you're right. Because, um, I mean, outside of, you know, the first couple matches don't look super hot. But when you get into the meat of this card, we have some tremendous looking shit going on here. We're going to open up on the pre-show with the 30-man honor Rambo, which is uh, basically everyone not on the main card. So you're going to see, like, Cheeseburger, maybe some of the New Japan dads, uh, Rapungi 3K, Rocky Romero, uh, Liger's in it, probably, like, Suzuki, Dishi, and uh, the winner gets an ROH title shot. There's Royal Rumble rules. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, they didn't have the Rambo on Wrestle Kingdom this year, so I'm I'm glad they're kind of bringing this to the Garden Show. Uh, let Liger win. Yeah, see, see, that's what I'm I'm thinking that like just because I think in terms of legit title contenders from ROH, everybody that's like a legit title contender is on the main card. You know, you have Lethal Skrull, Taven, and then you have you know Jeff Cobb and like the Briscoes and stuff like that. So it's like, you don't have a ton of like legit challengers right now that are involved in other things. So my feeling is new Japan star should win. If it's not going to be Ishii, then you go with Liger, um, feel good moment in the garden during his retirement tour. And he can still go. He had a fucking banger with Ishimori this year. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think a Liger win would, uh, be a great way to start off the show. Unless you're putting the world title on Matt Taven, and then Matt Taven should not be beating Jushin Thunder Liger. Please don't. Why would you say something <laughs> like that? <laughs> if Skrull is going to win, if Lethal is going to retain, fine. Those are fine opponents for Liger. Liger should not have to reduce himself to Matt Taven on his retirement tour. Then just have Ishii win. Because even, well, no, Matt Taven shouldn't be beating him either, but at least he will kick the shit out of him for however long the match lasts. Yes, that would be good at least. <laughs> but uh, next up, a Women of Honor title match, champion Mayu Iwatane versus Kelly fucking Klein again. I, I, I don't care. No offense to ROH and their, their booking of the women. It, it's terrible. It's really bad. It's obvious they didn't want to actually do it, but kind of blowback that they were like, oh, we should maybe book the women. And then they had no actual plan on what they were doing. I mean, the Madison Rain situation pretty much solidifies that theory. Uh, and I, I, I truthfully do not care. Yeah, they the fucking women of honor division is a mess. I mean, you look at the women that they've lost. They lost Karen Q, Deanna Perrazzo, Madison Rain left. And, um, you know, fuck, they couldn't even, when she was healthy, they couldn't book Tennille worth of shit. 
It's like if you're to spend money and bring her in, why wouldn't you just fucking like use her well? Yeah, and... build the division around her. And yeah. then they were just gun shy to even put the title on her. And it's like, what what are you doing? There there's I mean, we know this. There are plenty of talented women in the world of wrestling that are not in WWE. Like Impact has a great roster. AEW is building a, a very good women's roster. There's more out there, whether you work through Shimmer or Shine. Like there, There's plenty of talented women out there. And the ROH Women of Honor roster is Kelly Klein. Unfortunately, and I, I think she probably wins the fucking title back here in their third match this year. And the first two weren't really that good. So, yeah. Not looking forward to it. <laughs> I love I love my Iwatane, but Kelly Klein is just you know just does nothing for me. Yeah, it, it's not. I mean, it it's not a it's not a good division. As I said, it it feels like a division that they were forced to do because everyone was clamoring for a strong women's division from literally every single company in the world and so they gave in and then they didn't have an actual plan and even though they've had a year however long it's been they they still don't seem to have an actual plan pretty much and that's unfortunate uh next up we'll look at dalton cashel versus roosh yeah we talked about this last time how it just feels like a waste of roosh um dalton castle was good bordering on very good prior to the the back injury and then since he's come back he's just he, he's not the same guy and it's very obvious he's not the same guy and i i like roosh i think roh sees a lot in roosh they they i mean they had him beat bandito on the 17th anniversary show and now i mean bandito's in the uh iwgp junior heavyweight title match and roosh is wrestling Dalton Castle. And I, I assume it's to get him a good win over a former world champion. And like that looks good on his resume. But as far as match quality goes, it's not a match where I'm like, I can't wait to see this this Roosh match. Yeah, and I feel the same way. I I like Dalton Castle a lot. Charismatic motherfucker. And when he was not injured, was very good. And he's just not the same. And I just is uh, it's almost hard to watch at this point because it's it's not that he's bad it's just he's struggling so much he has like no core strength because of his back injury and it's just it's becoming kind of painful to watch because he looks like he's in like real pain all the time because he probably is and i just yeah i don't see the match going well at all uh hopefully roosh gets the big win as you said they can uh claim you beat a former world champion and then uh you know he'll probably start moving up the card um hopefully you know Taven doesn't win because they, they'll they'd want to do that match and stuff but i just i uh, sorry i can't do it with matt Taven, man i tried <laughs> so, we'll get to him later yeah next up is a bully ray's new york street fight open challenge uh, the big speculation going in was that it was going to be Flip Gordon coming back, but unfortunately, uh, Flip re-injured his knee and uh, might be out another six months. Yeah, 
that was the theory, obviously, that it was going to be Flip Gordon. I know Bully Ray at the in his 17th anniversary call out, like he put the emphasis on punk and ROH kind of highlighted that on their little write up that they did for the open challenge making you believe that CM Punk is going to show up. That's at least the the speculation, the rumor and innuendo as uh, Bruce Pritchard likes to say, I, it, it's not going to be CM Punk. If it's CM Punk, then somebody shelled out a lot of money and CM Punk just really wanted to, to uh, stick it to WWE, I guess. I mean, he's always wanted to do that, but to answer a bully Ray open challenge. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't imagine it's CM Punk flip Gordon made the most sense. The flip Gordon injury thing is weird because they announced it and then they haven't announced like an MRI or further results. Like they said that if it's this, then he could be out four to six months, but we don't know if it's that yet. I don't know when he's supposed to get scheduled and then, an MRI. I've heard from certain people that it, it could potentially just be a smokescreen to have him be at the garden as more of a surprise than it originally would have been if he was back working the week prior. So just just something to keep in mind. If it's not Flip Gordon, I mean, just bring out Suzuki. Let the crowd go crazy for Kaza Niara and just have him kill Bullet Ray. Yeah, if um, I I hope it's not like a like a swerve with Flip because I don't want to see Flip and Bully again. He already beat him clean. Or, you know, yeah, he he ended the feud in December. I don't need to see it again. I just yeah don't. I I mean I don't need to see Bully Ray. Period. Honestly, yes, this is true. But yeah, um, and I in my written preview, I I said the same thing about Suzuki, because I would love for Bully Ray, for for Suzuki to walk in the ring and Bully try to be the bully and start throwing chops, and then Suzuki just fucking laughs at him, and beats the shit up. Yeah, yeah. Just just have him kill this guy. I think it would be like you you're. I think ROH and New Japan aren't trying to create moments as far as they're. They're actually trying to build stories. Um, but as far as a moment would go, it would be a great moment in the garden for it just to be Suzuki. Oh, fuck yeah. Him walking out, doing doing the entrance, dude. And yeah, hell yes. But um, next up, we're going to go to a title match, IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. Champion Taiji Ishimori versus CMLL's Dragon Lee versus Bandito. Now we're getting into just some. We're getting into the fucking real shit now. Yeah, excellent, excellent matches here. Um, my gripe about this match is one: Bandito just lost to Roosh, so it's kind of weird that he's in this title match. Two: Dragon Lee has been kind of persona non grata in New Japan since losing uh, to Takahashi. Um, that last summer and Hiromu's, you know, the the broken neck match. So it it doesn't make a whole lot of like logical sense of these guys are getting title shots. 
But beyond that, like if you're just looking for an absolute great match, I mean, these three, they're going to deliver. They're awesome. They, they're going to deliver. You can play up the whole New Japan CMLL ROH aspect of it all. It's going to be a great match. It's, it's really hard to have like a bad junior heavyweight title match with really anybody they put in there because all these top junior heavyweights are good. And I mean, these three are really at the top of the list. Yeah, this, um, ideally this is like, this is a 12 to 15 minute sprint, you know, just go in there, hit all your shit, get the crowd into it, go home, you know, just, and that's all it needs to be. It doesn't have to be, you know, cause you're not looking for like a deep story here. Uh, one rumor floating around is that, uh, cause you talked about how they're not looking for moments so much, but there is a rumor that Hiromu might appear. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I know that's been just going around for a while. Some people thought it was going to be 17th anniversary show or not 17th, uh, 47th, uh, new Japan. Some people thought it was going to be that show other than when it didn't happen then people were like oh well he's going to show up at the new japan cup finals and it obviously didn't happen then and so now it's all right well he's going to show up at this show i truthfully i don't know what to believe when it comes to hiromu because like we were talking about earlier neck injuries are nothing to fuck with and if this guy doesn't feel like he's he's healthy doesn't feel like he can be back to his his old self like don't don't push this guy to return let him go at his own pace and he's been wacky on twitter updating with like oh he's at three thousand percent now but that like that's just hiromo so if he's not healthy he he's not healthy it'd be cool if he showed up but I just want him to be okay instead of speculating like this guy's going to show up now. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be kind of like a, um, almost like a Shibata thing to where he, he just kind of comes out and says, uh, you know, but like Shibata didn't say he was coming back, but he could just come out and do the little, you know, I'm coming back soon type deal. And, and you he's know. out for five more months, like Sami Zayn returning soon. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. The should be a great match. Uh, Ishimori should retain, but uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, next up, and this match was added to later. Um, the ROH and IWGP tag titles are on the line. IWGP champions, the Gorillas of Destiny versus ROH tag team champions, PCO and Brody King. And then they added the former ROH tag champions, the Briscoes, and former IWGP champions. Sonata and Evil, which honestly, I I think the Briscoes had to be on the show. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was surprised the Briscoes lost the the titles at 17th anniversary because the one thing I thought that was almost a guarantee was when it was just IWGP against ROH before they added two extra teams. I thought it was a guarantee, like the Briscoes are on this show rest defending wrestling for the tag team titles and when they lost it was like oh okay what are they gonna do and then they just decided well we're gonna make it a fatal four-way and the briscoes are even getting a rematch this sunday so it 
even if they didn't make it this fatal four way, they still could have rebooked and had the Briscoes just won the titles back. Um, as far as who like wins this match, all these like not unifying the titles, but double title matches are weird because you have to just take into account who's actually going to show up on these shows and how long are they actually going to keep these titles. Like, I, I don't know if PCO, like, doesn't he have visa issues that won't even allow him to travel to Japan anyway? So it would seem weird if he's going to win these belts and then he can't go to Japan to potentially defend them. Uh, like, are Evil and Sonata going to hang around ROH for a while? Like, the Briscoes or the Gorillas of Destiny would seem to make the most sense winning this match. Yeah, I, I think it's honestly... I like PCO and King, but the Gorillas of Destiny are so hit and miss and regular tags. So it's a rare, it's a rare thing to where I say adding the other teams probably will help this because Evil oh, oh, and Briscoes are really good. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, and I agree. It's the the Gorillas or the Briscoes are probably the ones walking out. I think that the Gorillas will actually win this one. It, it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, New Japan has always been a fan of pushing the Bullet Club. And I mean, the leader of Bullet Club is the IWGP heavyweight champion right now. Um, and like they're throwing their own block party for WrestleMania weekend as well. So, I mean, you show up that like that's the day of WrestleMania. You show up and you get to hang out with the ROH and IWGP tag team champions. Like it seems like a pretty good selling point I, I i want the briscoes to win if i'm just being a fan i've always been a fan of the briscoes they've been around roh forever they've really carried that promotion through tough times they're i don't know if they're underrated because i feel like a lot of people rate them pretty highly on like an all-time list but they're underrated in a sense that they never went to impact and like had a run during their hot period. They never went to WWE. Like even, even nowadays, like they're still in ROH and even ROH is kind of like behind new Japan right now. And, and so I don't think they're looked at on that same level as your guys who have been in WWE and had that run or been in new Japan and had that run or, or been in impact and had that run. And, and I, like I put the Briscoes on that level as a lot of those tag teams. Yeah, they're definitely great, and you know you you definitely can't write the history of ROH without them. No, not at all. So, but uh, next up we have another match with multiple titles on the line: ROH TV ch- champion Jeff Cobb versus the never openweight champion from New Japan, Will Ospreay. They spoiled this and then realized Osprey was still in the New Japan Cup and then yeah, it's happening anyway. Um I I think Will Osprey is a top three wrestler in the world right now. He does not seem to have a bad match. People want to complain about his his selling or his facial expressions and all that stuff. Like that's the Osprey of years ago, not this Will Osprey, not 2019 Will Osprey. He's really gotten that stuff down. Like that Lance Archer match, 
it didn't have the right to be as good as it was because Lance Archer is just kind of a guy. He's an older guy. He's been around. You can't name me like three good Lance Archer matches throughout his entire career. And then he works with Will Ospreay and he turns in a classic. Like Ospreay is just on a different level than a lot of guys right now. And, and Jeff Cobb, he, I don't know if he's on that level, but he's on a tier just below him. Like the, the match he had at 17th anniversary was maybe the match of the night. And I mean, Jeff Cobb, he can work really any style. The, this match is, it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and uh, I'll give you partial credit, but I can I can tell you two great Lance Archer matches. He had one with Abyss and TNA, and then he had one with Styles in the 2014 G1. Okay, so the the Styles but, match that that's fine. The Abyss one is more surprising. I assume it was kind of like a hardcore brawling. It, style it broke match. down into one, but yeah, but no. I mean, your point is your point is more than fair though because. Uh, as I said in my previews, is like you know Archer isn't a known for being a singles guy. He's been mostly a tag guy, and you know, but yeah, he um he he stepped up with Osprey. I I really liked that match a lot. And like you said, did not expect it to be anywhere near that good, but uh, it was. It was it was a great match. Um, as far as this one goes, I agree with what you said on Osprey. Love Will Osprey. The dude's a banger machine. It's like I I can't tell you the last time I disliked a Will Osprey match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, dude just delivers. And Jeff Cobb is another dude who's pretty much having great matches all the time. Not quite at the high level of Osprey at times, but he's still having a ton of bangers and great matches. And um, with the fact that you know Cobb is, you know, has been working New Japan and ROH, I think that Cobb's gonna win. Because I think they're going to look at it as a way to up his credibility a little more in New Japan with the Never Open Way title win. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I know Jeff Cobb, like he, he said it a handful of times. One of the reasons he signed with ROH was because of their connection with New Japan. Like He wants to work in New Japan more. And so this is a way to get him on more. Or shows if he's the never open weight champion. Osprey, like Osprey's happy working in Japan. He's happy working all these UK shows. I, I don't think Osprey really cares to come to America and wrestle on these ROH television tapings for as Which long as Which you can see they, coming this summer. The... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he cares to do all of that. So yeah, Jeff Cobb winning here certainly would, would seem to make the more sense of the two. Yeah. And um, yeah, looking looking forward to that one too. I think that's it's another match. A lot of bangers on the back end of this card, man. Because yeah. that, that looks like a great one, and the junior heavyweight title match. And uh, the next match, we actually had a long discussion about what Hiroshi Tanahashi would be doing on this show. If he did not win the New Japan Cup, and he did not win the New Japan Cup, but he is going to get a title shot at the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship against champion Zack Saber Jr. Because Zachary wants revenge from losing, and uh, he's willing to put the title on the line. And um, first of all, Saber and Tanahashi always delivers. So it's a great addition to the card. Um, second of all, you're adding a, another title match to the card. Plus, you're getting Rev Pro in the mix. 
So we have like Rev Pro, ROH, New Japan, CMLL, all thrown in the smoothie, which is good because they, they all do work together. And then the other thing is, too, is, you know, they've been telling the whole story of Tanahashi wanting to work in the garden and throughout the whole tournament. And the thing is, is if you put, if you give Tanahashi the moment in the garden and he wins the title, it's another accolade for him, but it is also a nice boost to the Rev Pro title. Because they've had like Zack Sabre and they've had Ishii and Suzuki hold it. But then you add Tanahashi to that list, title becomes a little more uh, prestigious. Yeah, yeah. Last, time, last time we talked, we were really wondering, what do you do with Tanahashi? Because I don't think either of us thought he was going to win the New Japan Cup. And then they realized, hey, we've got Zack Sabre Jr. not really lined up for anything big either. We can just do this match between two great wrestlers with a story that's already built in because of their their singles history. We can throw this title on the line, and all of a sudden, you've got an, just an excellent match between uh, Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. I, I, Zack Sabre Jr. might be my favorite wrestler in the world right now, and I would say 25% of that is just Taka's entrance of him. Um, and I can't wait for that inside the garden. Um, I can't wait for this match. Tanahashi, yeah, he's going, he's going to bring it because working in the garden has always been something that he's wanted to do. That's something they've heavily, heavily pushed. Zack Sabre Jr. Like you couldn't always tell an easy story with with this guy because of his just mechanical ring work and how it just works over limbs. And it's it's going to be very hard for them to have a bad match. I can't envision them having a bad match. And I, I like your point that you put this title on Tanahashi. I mean, he can defend it on maybe one Rev Pro show. Like they're going to they're running that UK show. I think in August. So. Well, that, 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 that's what I was going to say. Is you have them defend a little bit through the summer here on the random shows. And then when you get to August and you go to the UK, that's when you can have Zach win the title back. Yeah. I mean, that makes like that, that makes perfect sense. So it, it all makes sense to where it looks like it's going to be a Tanahashi win. If Zach Saber wins, I'm not going to be upset at that at that this is just another match where it's like this match is going to be just awesome because both these guys are, are fantastic and sometimes with tanahashi you can question like all right how much is this guy gonna give like some of his g1 it, it's the g1 you can just feel uh, i'm not going full out on this the fact that the the shota yumino match the in the first round of the new japan cup i felt like that was a match where if tanahashi doesn't feel like i'm just not gonna you know i'm gonna take a kind of easy work a brisk pace and or a light pace and that that's gonna be that beat this guy and he went full out to put this young lion making him look like a fucking like he was going to beat hiroshi tanahashi so the fact that he did that like this guy is just primed for a big 2019 as usual every time you just seem to doubt this guy he's just he's fucking the ace of the universe he is dude and that's the thing too and yeah i love that umino match too and that's that's a dude that they look at as a star in the in the future. They see big things with him. He's he's the top of the crop in the uh, young lions right now. And 
I think with him, everybody, you know, people have been asking me like, where, where, where should he go on excursion? Like CMLL or, or OH. And I think to a point that they, what they should do with him is they just need to do with him what they did with David Finley and Hanare. I just think that they need to do the slow promotion. And then all of a sudden he gets to come out with regular gear one night. And then he's, just, they can say, you know, he graduated and everything. And you start from there. I just, I, I, I don't think he needs excursion because he's worked with so many different people so far and he's gotten so good so fast. I just, I don't see him needing it. Like, like when uh, Evil was Watanabe, I didn't see shit in that dude. And then like ROH barely used him at all. And then he gets the Evil gimmick and then he starts growing his performers. He's getting, you know, working main event dudes and everything. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, evil's really fucking good. And it's just like, you know, so sometimes, sometimes you don't need the excursion. You you know they have big plans for a guy when they're putting him with Hiroshi Tanahashi in the New Japan Cup, and they're not only putting him with Tanahashi, they're giving them like 13, 14, 15 minutes, and they're trying to make you believe that he's going to beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like you don't do this for a guy that you're just going to cast aside and, and do nothing with once he does eventually graduate. Yeah. And dude, that match, like if, if nobody, if, if you haven't seen the Tanahashi Umino match, there is this near fall near the end when he fucking counters a cloverleaf into a cradle and yeah. the place loses their shit on the near fall because they thought he had it. And again, that, that goes to your point of you know, Tanahashi is not just good at the basic professional wrestling and the match layout, but it's also, he can make you believe that he can win at any time or that he's vulnerable enough to lose. And he had that crowd biting just right. That near fall put that over the top for me. Like, I'm like, this is very good, you know? And then all of a sudden, like, they hit that stretch, they do some counters, and then that fucking near fall. And the crowd, like, biggest reaction on the whole show. You know, it's just like, yes, I'm, I'm all for this. So. But, yeah, it's great. Um, but uh, if, I, if I had sound effects available, I would be blaring, like, a fire horn right now because up next is my most anticipated match of the weekend, I think. The IWGP IC title match, a rematch from the New Japan Cup. Naito defends against Kota Ibushi. Ibushi beat him in the New Japan Cup in a fucking awesome match. Amazing. Probably my match of the year right now. I loved it. I, these guys, when they get together, not only is it great chemistry, but for better or for worse, they're pretty much willing to kill each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they may be crossing a line, and I know apparently it makes some people uncomfortable, and I get that. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but at the same time, you know, as long as they're okay and they're having a great match and I'm entertained, I'm excited. And um, this match not only has potential to steal the show, I, I think I can safely say has a chance now, obviously, there's a ton of wrestling this weekend coming up. But um, I honestly think it may have a chance to steal the entire WrestleMania weekend. 
if they can live up to past matches. It's certainly like it's certainly possible. It just what can you say about Kotobushi and Tetsuya Naito? Honestly, like their their New Japan Cup match was the the best match of the the tournament, and yeah, it's probably the leading candidate for for match of the year, right? Like if it's your leading candidate, then. I, I take that as gospel because not a whole lot of people watch more wrestling than you do and rate as much wrestling as you do. And Kota Ibushi, like the guy is an absolute madman. He, he's toned it down slightly. And, and I say by that, like instead of a 10, he's like a 9.8. Uh, he's toned it down slightly recently, but he's still just a fucking nutcase when he's in the ring. And I don't mean that as like, He's this hardcore deathmatch guy, as, as fans know. He's just willing to really do anything and really make stuff look like you've killed him or he's killed you. And he is willing to do some crazy shit, like jump off of balconies and whatnot. Um, but Kota, like Kota Bushi is just amazing. And Naito, like, he always delivers. It, it's tough to find a bad Naito match when he just wants to have an absolute classic and it this is just another match where it's going to be very difficult for them to not have an absolutely just fantastic match uh i i can't see it i really can't see it it should be amazing and i don't even know i feel like abushi should win naito you can tell the, the whole gimmick is he doesn't care all that much about this title, but then he's willing to fight for it, which I, I think is clever. Um, I, I feel like Obushi winning almost re-elevates it, which sounds weird because Tetsuya Naito holds it right now. Yeah, and you can also make the argument... Um, uh, let's see. I, I guess you can make the argument, too, that if Naito loses... This could be the start of the build to him and Okada. Because yeah. I, I'm almost 100% sure that they're main eventing one of the two dome shows next year. And yeah, I, that, that seems to be the, the popular consensus is that they're going to main event one of, I, I would assume the first dome show. I feel like the first one is actually Wrestle Kingdom and the second one is just New Year's Dash in the Tokyo Dome. I, I, don't know that for sure obviously but that that's just the general feeling that i get um so yeah i i would think that naito would would lose this and then kind of move on to i guess bigger and better things like he's wrestling kota ibushi at the garden but i guess the step up from that would be wrestling okada at the tokyo dome yeah but uh i think it's uh like I said, if all goes well, we should get another amazing match. Looking forward to it. And then we have the co-main event, the uh, ROH Championship ladder match. Champion Jay Lethal defending against Marty Skrull and everybody's favorite, Matt Taven. <laughs> uh, it, I really hope Taven doesn't win. That's all I can say. It, it, they've built around Lethal for years now and lethal has 100 earned this spot he's he's honestly earned this moment of climbing the ladder unhooking the title 
and having the crowd go crazy. Skrull is obviously a guy that they they see big things in. Like they put the tag titles on his his running mates, PCO and, and Brody King. And they clearly want to make him a, a focal point, probably in large part because they fear he's going to just jump ship to AEW when his contract expires and they want to show him, you know, a good time and like, hey, you don't need to go there. One of these two should win this match. I still dread that for some reason they like Matt Taven. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I try not to sound like an asshole when I talk about it, but like, you know, Matt Taven works really hard. But I just, and like, he, he did some interview like last week where like people that say they don't see me as a main event talent obviously don't watch the product. Brother, I've watched every one of your matches for like the last so many years, okay? like the number of great Matt Taven one-on-one matches like is maybe countable on a hand, you know, it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't see him as the guy. I really don't. He's not. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a good built in story that he's trying to become the only second ever grand slam champion and everything, but it's just, I don't see it. I, I really think that, I think that because uh, they they didn't do it last year when they had a good chance to do it, I really think Marty should win. Yeah, again, Marty is a guy they're clearly pushing. They they clearly want to, and, and Marty's going like he's facing the only the and and this might actually be my holdup in the whole thing is when you look at kind of the future. You know, Jay Lethal is going to Israel to to face David Starr and, you know, that whole uh, shebang there that uh, ROH wasn't happy with David Starr's promo. And, like, they've already announced that as a a world title match. Like, is it still lethal if he loses? Does Skrull the replacement? Um, I feel like the, the Israel promotion, like, they're they're kind, they feel like they're getting an ROH title match. They feel like they're getting Jay Lethal with the ROH title. Uh, and then you have Marty Skrull. He's already slated to face Nick Aldis for the NWA title at the NWA show at the end of April. Is ROH? I, they could put the title on on Skrull there, and I I'd be fine with it. But is ROH comfortable if they don't want to do that with their world champion losing that match? So I'm looking sort of into the future when it comes to this and thinking they kind of already have a couple of big matches lined up for Lethal and for Skrull. Do they switch something around if if Skrull wins the, the title here? Or do they just kind of keep going the course? And if they keep going the course... How does that affect plans for themselves with Skrull potentially losing to Aldis or other promotions with the the Israeli promotion now potentially not getting a world title match? Um, and that's why I'm I'm leaning towards Jay Lethal. Fair points all around, and that, that's a good way to look at it, man. I mean, again, lots of, lots of angles and things to think about, but uh, the main event of the show looks to be the IWGP Champion Jay White defending against Mr. Okada, our New Japan Cup winner. And this is a a feud that's gone on for the better part of a year, 
started with Jay White uh, joining Chaos, uh, which was later just part of his grand plan. Yeah, he said it from the very beginning. Like, I'm yeah. just here to fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he told the members of Chaos, if you weren't watching at the time, like, you shouldn't be afraid to challenge for titles in your own stable. You know, and he was stirring shit up early. So he goes in, he eventually fucks up Chaos, turns on him. Then he takes Gato on as his advisor after he had left Okada. They join Bullet Club. And then he has basically been making Okada his bitch for months. There was a long stretch during the World Tag League where Bullet Club was constantly beating him and Tanahashi. Jay White beat him in the G1. Jay White beat him at Wrestle Kingdom. And now we're going to come full circle to the Garden. And what should be an Okada win? And the one thing I... There are a lot of people complaining that what's going to suck that Jay White's going to have such a like a, a, an under 100-day title run. And it's going to damage him. And I wouldn't be so quick to say that. Because if you know your title history, your IWGP title history, uh, names Fujinami, Vader, Choshu, Chona, Tenzon, Nakamura, and Naito all had sub-100-day title runs. I, I don't think losing to Kazuchika Okada in the Madison Square Garden after you've beaten him in the G1 and at the Tokyo Dome hurts your credibility at all. Like, people, I, I feel like, like you, you know the history of, of New Japan and these titles a lot better than, than I do and a lot better than most people. Like, if you're new to New Japan and you've only seen the past few years, really the title runs you've seen are Okada, which lasted forever, and, and Kenny Omega, which went from June to January. And then you saw Tanahashi, which which didn't last very long. And But because of Okada and, and Omega, people have this idea that oh, the IWGP heavyweight champion has these, like, super long reigns to, like, really establish themselves and everything. And and as you just pointed out, like, it's not always like that. Guys don't hold titles forever. I'm not saying they, they hot potato titles like other companies will do, but it's also not just a case of they need this long run to really establish themselves. Like, Jay White is established. Jay White beat... Just look at Jay White's two biggest wins of this year. He beat Okada in the Tokyo Dome, and he beat Tanahashi for the title. One loss to Okada doesn't erase those two matches. Doesn't erase really his whole last year, which was really fantastic when you when you look at uh, his all of his victories. And so if he loses, then he loses. It doesn't mean like, they botched this title run or that he can never main event again. Like he lost a fucking Okada. Yeah. And again, it's like the biggest show of the year. They're going to run outside of the Tokyo dome. And I just, yeah, it's the, the thing is, it's not going to hurt him as long as the follow-up booking is fine, which it should be. And the other thing too, is like you're losing to Okada and it's, it's it feels like a good way to end the story for now. They can always obviously come back to it and do more later, 
But the thing is, is right now, it make I think it makes sense. So I, I don't think it's going to hurt him at all, as long as his performance is good. And again, the follow-up booking is strong, which it should be because Gato is very hands-on with him in the advisor role and everything. And Gato they, already oh, has Jay White book through 2023. Quite possibly. <laughs> but the other thing, too, is, and I said this when they started, you could tell the they were setting him up with the chaos stuff at the beginning. And I, I had made a note that uh, I thought that they were preparing for life after Kenny Omega. And, oh, no, 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 blah, 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 blah. I never said Jay White is going to be the same as Kenny Omega because Kenny's a pretty special performer, one of a kind guy. But they were clearly grooming Jay White to take over in case Omega left in that role. And he's done that. Character works great. His wrestling is good. Uh, he's getting better. Some of the counter stuff he does is really nice. His, yeah, his yeah. counter wrestling. Like, Jay White is still very young. And, I mean, look who he's been working with in the past year. Like, look at, just look at the Jay White match against Tanahashi at last year's Wrestle Kingdom. And it was kind of clunky. And no one's blaming Tanahashi for that because he's, he's fucking Tanahashi. Um so you're like, all right, Jay White kind of didn't really deliver in in this match. And then look at their match this year, just just a few weeks ago. It's really night and day, and a lot of that has to be attributed to just how far Jay White has come in, in one year. And this guy is still young, and he's gonna keep growing. Uh, he, I mean, he's a star. Yeah, definitely. So, um. But that'll uh, that'll wrap up the uh, G1 Supercard preview. Wait, so, are you going? Are you officially going with Okada? Yep. Okay. One hundred percent. I, 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 I could be very they, wrong, but <laughs> I mean, if they really want to sell this block party the next day, you got uh, Tonga and uh, Loa out there with all the ROH and IWGP Tag Team Gold. You got Jay White with the IWGP title. Uh, maybe he beats uh, Jay Lethal in a title versus title match to as an impromptu match for something. And like, come see party. all the champions at this bullet club block party. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm going to call it. I think it makes sense. And I know it's the, the funny part is, is it's, it's going to make certain people just so mad. Yeah. Cause they're going to say, Oh, everybody bitches when Cena and Roman wins. But it's okay when Seven Star Okada wins, you know. There, there's this, there's this, there's there's already been backlash because I've seen people just complaining that he's gonna win. Oh, it was so predictable that he won the New Japan Cup. Okay, I, I mean, neither of us thought it was that predictable. It turned out that oh yeah, Okada makes the most sense, and maybe we talked ourselves into let maybe they do something different, but. I feel like there was a lot of support for, for Kota Ibushi to, to win the New Japan Cup. And then Tanahashi yeah. is always yeah. there. Ibushi was my pick, man. I was bumbly lost. I was like, damn it. I thought it made sense, but yeah. yeah I mean, killed you know, my bracket. Yeah, so, but yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, thank you for listening, number one. And uh, number two, there's, there's even more wrestling, obviously, than we covered tonight. But 
these are uh, three exceptionally strong cards overall. Um, a lot of lot of potential for greatness. And um, yeah, WrestleMania weekend is um, the, you know there's some there's some shows I've seen cards for, and I'm like, why are you even running the show? And then yeah, there's a then, lot of shows. Yeah, and then you get to the other end of the spectrum, and you see stuff like Takeover and the G1 Supercard, and you're like, like God damn, you know? It's like you know, and the impact the impact card I wouldn't put on the same level, but it's like a tier below. It's up there. It has a lot of potential. I'm actually excited for it. A lot, a lot of good talent on the Impact show. So, um, and like I said before, if you hadn't watched their pay-per-views last year, all of their pay-per-views, and I'm not talking like the the little TV specials or Twitch shows. I'm talking about pay-per-views. All of their pay-per-views were either good to great last year. So they yeah, stepped yeah. up when they charged people money. So I give them full credit for that. And I expect this to be at the very, at the very least, it's going to be a good show. But there's some potential that it could creep into great. And I'm looking forward to it. It has a great variety of talent on it, which is something that, you know, they have their regular talent and they mix in some other guys. It's a nice mix. And I think they did a good job with it this year. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going to sleep on it. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have a good time slot. I mean, Thursday at 11 is, I mean, it's not obviously the best time to watch wrestling like a, a Thursday night that late. Uh, and especially if you have a actual job, you probably have work the next day unless you, unless you're just like, eh, it's WrestleMania week. I'm taking off this entire week. Um, so it, it's not a great time slot for them, but I, if like, if you get that whole, uh, fight, you know, fight fest thing, I, I assume you get replays on that. I'm, I don't order a ton from Fight TV, but I assume you get the replay if you get it, so you can watch it at your own leisure. I mean, yeah. that whole Fight Fest package is that's a lot of wrestling just right there I for like. I believe it's thirty six shows. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the thing you you were talking about. Like, you're not sure why some of these companies are running shows. We both know why they're running these shows. It's because it's WrestleMania weekend and they want to try to get their name out there as best they can. The What I cautioned with some of the, specifically the Jimmy Havoc and Sammy Callahan match on Impact, I cautioned the same thing if you're watching just a lot of these shows is if a guy has seven bookings for this week, uh, not every single match is going to be great. And I think this is why the impact, or not the impact, um, although it, it should be a very good show, why like the the takeover and the um, super card should just be outstanding because obviously none of the takeover guys are wrestling on another show unless they show up and evolve for some reason. They're probably working access matches, maybe, maybe probably not these guys, but they might be working access matches and whatever they're not going hard on access and the the new japan guys i think osprey might have a handful of bookings uh zach saber might have a handful of bookings osprey and bandito are um yeah yeah they're on the wrestlecon show show. yeah yeah as i said last time i still can't believe roh has not put the kibosh on this match yeah i know but uh suzuki's working uh the blood sports show again yeah but your top guys 
aren't like Coda's not working any other show. Tanahashi, Okada, Jay White, nobody in the ROH main event is working another show. Like most of these guys, and, and even like with Zack Saber and Osprey, like they only have like maybe one or two matches, and they'll go decent, I'm sure, in those matches. But I would suspect they're still gonna like save their best. And when it comes to Zack Saber, I mean, he doesn't have to go like, like he's working a tag team match. Actually, he might Tanahashi might be where isn't he working that tag team match? It's like uh, Saber and Suzuki against Tanahashi and somebody else on a Rev Pro show, I think. Yeah. Um. But but anyway. But yeah, they're they're working. The, the point is, is that the ROH New Japan guys are working very limited compared to maybe a guy like Sammy Callahan who has like five to seven bookings over the weekend. Right. Yeah. So if you're trying to watch all of these shows, first off, I wish I had that much free time. Uh, I think even Larry who watches literally every wrestling show isn't going to be able to watch every wrestling show uh, on, on this weekend. But if you, if you're excited for a match and then it turns out to be not so great, like just look at the guy's schedule, and that could be a reason why. But that's why the, this takeover and the super card should really deliver because this is the biggest event of the weekend for most of the for all of these guys, not most of them, for all of these guys. And so they're going to like they're going to go all out for these shows. Both of these shows, like we're getting this on a back to back night. Like this is your Friday and Saturday night. It, it's amazing. It's a great time to just be a pro wrestling fan. It is. And it's, uh, again, there's a, there's going to be a lot of great wrestling. And um, this isn't like an anti-WWE main roster thing. But here's the thing. If you're not happy with the WWE main roster stuff and you're not very happy with Mania and you don't want to watch like seven hours of Mania and, you know, you're looking for other stuff, take over the uh, New Japan ROH show. Um, right there, you're going to get a feel of great wrestling. And then if you're looking for something different, um, like the Joey Janela Spring Break shows, the Blood Sports show, um, they're different. And I think that's the reason why the Spring Break show and stuff succeeded is because Joey Janela didn't want to put on a show that was the same as all the other shows, which is what a lot of the other people do. And then everybody's like, well, I feel like I've seen this show already because it's all the same guys or variations on the same match to where you have spring break and you have the wackiness of the clusterfuck and he's bringing in Taka and all kind of people and shit. And he's, you know, he's planning surprises again. And, you know, it's not like I don't think spring break is always like a great show, but it's it's definitely an interesting show. And there's no other show like it over the weekend. But, you know, and then again, you have WrestleCon and stuff. There's a ton of stuff that you can watch. So if you're not happy with something, this is a great week for you to branch out. Go to Play <laughs> TV, check out the schedule, you know, and there's just, there's a lot of wrestling. As I, as I said last time I was on, no matter what you're looking for in your wrestling there will be a show for that this week or next weekend. Like there, if you're looking for comedy, if you're looking for technical, if you're looking for hardcore, if you're looking for MMA hybrid, the, there is going to be a show 
for that. If you're looking for surprises, if you're looking for coherent storylines, there there is a show for you next weekend that you can sink your teeth into and hopefully it turns people on to just different wrestling companies and promotions because like you said like i get not everybody is happy with wwe um there's so much out there and it's so easily accessible everything's online nowadays yeah so anyway i hope everybody has a good time next weekend watching lots of wrestling and i hope you have a good time He's going to have me back after WrestleMania weekend to talk about all of these shows, booking myself, going into business for myself. Uh, I was going to book you anyway, so yeah, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, if you got, thanks for listening. And uh, remember, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and uh, share it around if you have the chance. We'd greatly appreciate it. Show's been doing really good. I'm really pleased. between Steve and Jeremy, I think we've had a lot of good conversation the past couple of weeks, and um, we'll try to keep bringing it to you. So everybody take care and have a good week.